three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm, the first episode, the pilot episode, episode E01. This is this is the ground floor of Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm here with SelloutCrowd.com. Um, so, being the first episode, uh, I'm going to do what I hate to do, and that is talk about myself. Um, but for those of you that have followed me. Uh, here in the OKC market and, and elsewhere for years, uh, you're probably a little familiar with you know what I've done before. But for those of you that are just stumbling upon this, you were looking for you know some highlights of of the actor doing something, and you got me instead. Here's the thing. Uh, yes, my name is John Ham. Yes, once upon a time, you could go to Google, type in my name, and find stuff about me. Um, that is no longer the case, but hey, you know, sellout crowd is going to help uh, maybe level that out a little bit. So, what do I do? Um, I'm a big, I'm a big NBA guy. I'm a big sports guy, but I am a big NBA fan, uh, longtime NBA fan, and uh, I've been in Oklahoma my whole life. I've been uh, in the OKC Metro for the past uh, 25 years or so, um, and so I've seen like this city change and grow. And the Thunder are a part of that. And obviously, a big part of my coverage is going to be concerning the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, for the past 10 plus years or so, I have done, uh, I've done writing for Bleacher Report. I've done writing for the Oklahoman. Um, I've done uh, radio work for 1077 The Franchise. I've done podcast work. Um, I used to be on uh, Down to Dunk with my friend Andrew Schlecht on Wednesdays for a while. And then we went off and started our own separate podcast called the OKC Dream Team, which is on Patreon.com. It's on Spotify. A subscription podcast that also includes Brett Dawson part of uh, a big, uh, I'm sorry, part of Sellout Crowd, uh, also includes Joe Masato, Michaeli Barra. Uh, so yeah, I've been uh, I've been covering, you know, the Thunder somewhat professionally here for, for about a decade. And um, I do have an emphasis on, you know, salary cap rules whenever someone is, you know, wondering about some weird exception or is this trade uh, legal or, you know, what do you think about this deal? That's where I tend to get hit up on Twitter or I guess X is the name of it now. Uh, one of these days we'll be able to transition and call it, you know, what it is and not have to reference the old name. But um, that's been my expertise. Uh, I it, it's, a, it's a wild thing that, you know, back in the late 90s, I stumbled into uh, the, the company of Larry Kuhn. And uh, he was putting together uh, some some folks that were going to try to decipher this new collective bargaining agreement back in 1999. And he was crafting a FAQ about it. And uh, I was one of the contributors that was part of that. Um, so many emails, so many emails that went back and forth on that. Uh, Larry actually mailed me a printed copy of the CBA way back when. Uh, I read it all. I understood a percentage or two of the words that I was reading, but hey, um, I followed it ever since. And, um, you know, obviously there's a lot more to the sport of basketball, of pro basketball, you know, than all of this salary stuff and all of the trade rules and everything. You know, the play on the court actually matters. And so obviously, you know, th that is also something that I that I analyze and I write about. Um, but, you know, just I've always been fascinated by 
what are these rules in the background that have shifted things that have, you know, uh, why does a trade get made? Why did a free agent sign here? Why did a team do X in order to do, you know, Y and all of those sorts of things have always interested me. The history of the NBA, the transactional history uh, is always stuff that's always, you know, fascinated me. So that's kind of my focus. Uh, that's what I'm going to write about a lot. That's what I'm going to talk about a lot on this pod and uh, as I'm guesting with others on Sellout Crowd. So now this is big, friendly sports with John Ham. So I don't intend to limit myself just to the NBA and just to the Thunder, even though you know those are by far the two sports that I pay the most attention to. But, you know, OU and OSU in this state, basketball, football, softball, like those things are also huge. Every once in a while, I, I may decide to sit down and, and, you know, talk and write about, you know, things that are happening there. Uh, there could be other things, you know, sports related that come up. And, and so that's why I went with big friendly sports. Didn't want to nail myself down to just the NBA. And, um, you know, that's the, the name of the pod itself, big friendly. So I've had this name in my back pocket for a while. Um, I think at one point uh, with OKC Dream Team, gosh, six years ago, uh, it was something I was sort of kicking around back then, sort of held on to it, and uh, just figured now would be the time to run with it. There's you know, there's a few nicknames for Oklahoma City, OKC being the most common, uh, of course. Um, references to you know the area code, 405 or the 405, uh, which seemed pretty generic. Apparently, the city is a nickname for Oklahoma City, but I tend to associate that with more with the Bay Area. You know, the, the Warriors have alternate jerseys that say the city. And, uh, you know, that was pretty bland. Uh, apparently, Cinderella City is also a nickname for Oklahoma City. Um, I, I haven't heard that used before. Uh, and frankly, Big Friendly is one that that is also not very common. But, you know, it is out there. And I just, I like the name. I, I like the sound of it. I like the idea of the big friendly when we're talking about, you know, Oklahoma, of course, as a whole, but Oklahoma City in general. And uh, I think it, I think it sticks. And I could have went with another variation of Bricktown. You know, that's also another easy one to sort of tap into. But, you know, I, I think a lot of people have covered that pretty well uh, in, in, in regards to their their podcast or their blog names. I just left well enough alone. So here we are uh, with big friendly sports. So um and I'm excited about all of this. I'm excited not only about selloutcrowd.com. I'm excited about, you know, the Thunder and their current state. I'm excited about Oklahoma and OSU uh, as they, you know, part ways and go off in their own ventures. Um, I'll talk about sellout crowd more here in just a moment. But when we when you talk about the sports in this state in the year 2023 and what's on the horizon, uh, again, OU going to the SEC, uh, is is going to open up a whole new world here in this state. Oklahoma State um, staying in the Big Twelve, but I, you know, they're going to have a chance to to be competitive every year. I really believe that. That hasn't always been the case. I know it's a little more up and down, especially a lot more up and down than some OSU fans would like. But you know, just thinking about all of those teams and all of that talent and all those storylines, you know, that used to be just like the Big Eight here in Oklahoma, or, or then the Big 12. And now you're going to have two separate conferences, a buku of teams, just so much to keep up with, so much to to write about, so much to read about. And um, 
that in and of itself is, is really exciting. Now you add in the NBA, professional sports team. And, you know, the Thunder, they set out on a rebuild after the 2019-2020 uh, season. And there was some caution on this could take a while. And, you know, when you looked at other teams that have gone through a full style rebuild, um, you know, there was some you know, sort of caution. This could take four years, could take five years. Um, you know, the, the longer we keep at it, the, the longer the payoff is going to be. And um, <laughs> that turnaround is just about done. And, you know, there's a lot of people, obviously, that, that are very excited on what the Thunder are going to do this coming season. And they're primed for liftoff. Now, I don't, I can't guarantee they're going to lift off, you know, this season or if it's going to be next season. Um, but there are some kind of similarities you can take to the first iteration of the Thunder, to the Durant, Westbrook, Harden, and then Ibaka. And then when they started, you know, making changes, then boom, they're in the Western Conference Finals. Then boom, they're in the NBA Finals. But um, there's there's that level of excitement. And then, you know, I, I think a reasonable expectation there when you look at not only what Shea Gildas Alexander has done coming over when the Thunder acquired him. I did a podcast shortly after that uh, to kind of talk about it. And, you know, I, I, I made a comment at the time, like, I think Shea could be a multiple all multiple time all star. And I was basing that on next to nothing. I, I was basing that largely off of a 35 point game that he had against the Warriors in the playoffs and, you know, some other uh, key games throughout the season with the Clippers and, uh, you know, just some sort of general promising ideas. And uh, also I was probably just being super optimistic at the time. I, I really had no idea. And even then I undershot it. <laughs> I had no idea that a few years later we'd be talking about a guy that's first team all NBA that just went and had a tremendous FIBA basketball tournament and is, you know, getting the praise from national observers that are like, this is, this is a guy that can be the number one option on a, on a title contending team. So you add that in along with Chet Holmgren, you know, I, he's polarizing. I get it. I get it. Um, but I just think the guy's going to be able to play. And I think he has a chance to be just, just awesome. Just an awesome offensive threat. Uh, the defensive instincts are there, and you know, even if it takes them a couple of years to get to that level, um, that's not a bad cohort to put next to Shea Gildas Alexander. And you add in Josh Giddy, and you add in uh, Jalen Williams, J Dub, of course, from Santa Clara. Um, some intriguing prospects. Usman Jang, still very much an unknown. What can he offer to the team? Um, you know, and, and just other prospects like that. And then that's not even the end of it because Oklahoma City has positioned themselves with a whole raft of potentially valuable draft picks along the way. Like I say, the team is primed to take off and be back on the national scene again. And uh, this is a great time when you factor that in along with OU and OSU to jump in and be part of selloutcrowd.com, which again, my level of excitement there, I get to come in and be part of a venture along with Barry Trammell and Jenny Carlson and Garen Emig and, uh, you know, Brett Dawson, who's been, you know, my, my friend and my, uh, my podcast cohort for years, uh, Sam Mays and, and Todd Lisenby, who I both worked with at the franchise, uh, Ed Murray, who I've, you know, admired from afar for years. Um, Eli Letterman and the, and the, and the, uh, the twins that are, that are coming up. Um, you know, it's 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 just a very exciting group to be a part of, and a, a little bit bewildering still that like I'm 
I'm in this first group. So um, everything from day one, uh, as as it's been presented to me and, and what the vision is and what we hope to accomplish here at Sellout Crowd and how I fit into that, um, it's thrilling. And so like it's all coming together into just one giant excitement soup. <laughs> and so, you know, here we are. Um, so some things that you're going to, yeah, some things you're going to get from me. Um, I have a few ideas that that I'm that I've got put together that I'm going to start fleshing out soon. Uh, I'm going to write something about just sort of my background a little bit more, um, and uh, that's that might be my first piece that drops. Um, I'm going to talk about the idea that Oklahoma City should have went out this off season and made a big splash, went out and got an impact sidekick, you know, for Shea, someone of his equal, if that player was actually available, um, or just spending uh, the, the cap space that OKC had and going and getting some kind of an impactful veteran. I'm going to talk about that some because I have a little bit of a different take. Given that this team is young with a lot of promise and a lot of room to improve, you know, they didn't have to go out and get someone to fill in you know, a lot of that production because they've, they've got it in-house and it just needs to improve. So, you know, I'm going to talk about that a lot. But also, you know, at some point, it stands to reason that OKC will make a trade at some point, and it could be, you know, significant. Um, they've certainly never been shy about making those moves as long as they've been here, but it's been when the timing is right. Um, and every time that they have made one of those sizable trades, it has been, okay, we're ready to... We're ready to take that next step and we know what we need. We're going to go, you know, again, go get Kendrick Perkins uh, to go, you know, be the big man to defend against uh, the current NBA at that time was was very heavy with a lot of productive big men. Uh, years later, okay, Kevin Durant has left. Uh, Russell Westbrook agreed to stay. Uh, we got to take a bit of a chance here and go get a Paul George, right? And so they go and do that. Um, and then whenever that era is coming to its close, you know, Oklahoma City made it, you know, swung a, a string of massive trades after that. Um, so it stands to reason that, you know, once the Thunder know what they are, know what they have and know what they need, then they'll start making those trades. And, you know, a, a, a lot of people want that to happen like right now. And some people feel like they know right now what they need. I just don't think the team is there with you yet. So, you know, I'm going to be talking and writing a lot more about that. And another thing I tend to do is I like to, again, because I'm kind of a historian on this stuff, I like to compare and contrast. Where is Oklahoma City at in terms of their their rebuild, uh, their their desire to reach a championship state, and how does that compare to what other teams have done? Uh, you can look at Denver. Denver very much, you know, built from via the draft. They made a couple of trades here and there uh, to kind of shore up some things, but you know that is that is a success story. Um, on the contrast, you have like the Atlanta Hawks, who were kind of on that rebuild direction, got antsy. And, you know, started going out and and shortcutting their rebuild. And now where are they? And, you know, that's not even a, a critique on you know, Trey Young and his ability in the league. It's just they they tried to push in too soon and they could have potentially gotten more talented guys if they had been a little more patient, allowed, you know, allowed themselves to go through the draft one more time. Um, and so I, I find that interesting. What teams have hit the gas too soon? What teams hit the gas just right? The Milwaukee Bucks, 
um, a team that dealt with a lot of adversity. Giannis Antetokounmpo kind of comes out of nowhere as an NBA superstar. And they hit the gas by going out and getting Drew Holiday at the right time. And that's worked out terrific for them. So I like going through and, and sort of comparing and contrasting what other teams have done, what the Thunder can take from that, what you as the listener or the reader can sort of take from that as well. Um, obviously, I like making predictions. I'm going to, you know, as we get closer to the season, uh, go go over some predictions. I, I do it every year. I, I sit down and I think this is how I think the standings are going to turn out, and I'm always wrong. That's what I love, right? We think we have this all figured out. We think we know, you know, how this is. We know in October how it's going to look in April, and we're always wrong. And I like finding out why we're wrong. Why was I you know, so high on a team back in October and, and how did it come apart or how was it never meant to be? Likewise, why was I so why was I so dismissive of a team and what led to them sort of overachieving in our eyes? Um, those are things that that I'm going to be tapping into as well. Um, just a lot of other ideas that are coming to mind, obviously, as, as news comes along, going to be writing about that. Um, Brett is, is going to be doing the journalism part. Um, and, and I'm going to be, you know, again, more of an analyst. I think that's sort of what I have, uh, that what I've been over the years. So just an idea on what I have to offer, what I'm going to be doing here as part of sellout crowd. And, um, yeah, it's, it's launching and I'm so excited to get going here. So, um, again, you can find my content at sellout crowd at johnhamsports.com. You can find me. I have, Social medias are getting set up. My most common one is, again, on Twitter or X, however we refer to it, at John M. Ham. Uh, that is where you'll find me, you know, most often interacting. But, you know, you're going to find me across uh, Instagram. You're going to find me on all the, you know, all the popular social medias out there as well. You're going to find this podcast on iTunes and Spotify, your favorite podcast feed. Uh, it's going to be out there. You're going to find me on YouTube. And, you know, again, if nothing else, Go to selloutcrowd.com, find my content. You're going to be able to easily figure out where to go. Uh, find me on all the socials and follow me and subscribe and like and all of the, the positive things through there. So thanks all for listening to this. Again, it's the intro episode to Big Friendly Sports with John Hamm. Um, I'm fired up. So uh, we will catch you next time. Take care, everyone. See you soon. <laughs>